Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. I'm so grateful that we get to do this together and learn together. You know what? Let me, let me just add to David's words. Uh, you know, if you're watching online, a special welcome to you. If you're on YouTube, watching from wherever. Maybe you're part of the 180. Maybe you're a partner church. Maybe you're watching from somewhere else in the world. We're just so grateful that you've uh, slowed down to be with us, to learn. Maybe I want to remind you this morning as we begin, you know, there's a lot of other places you could be right now. There's a lot of other things you could be doing right now. But you've decided to be here. The biblical word for this is worship. Because remember, anybody can show up at church when they have nothing to do. But to be someone who makes it central to grow with others and to learn and to commit to follow Jesus together, that's always been what it means to be people who love Jesus and worship Jesus. And so I want to encourage you as we kind of open up to just kind of look at your schedule, and I've said this in sermons, to just think about what it means that you would say, you know, this is a special time set aside for us to learn what it means to be the church together. And if you need like a, a word to remind you, remember that we go to church to learn how to be the church. That's why we're here. You don't come for a building, you don't come for light, you don't come for net. You, we gather to learn how to be the people of God together. And last week we started a teaching series on prayer. And, and prayer, you know, I think about prayer often because it's one of those things that some people, it comes natural to them to pray and other people, you know, they never pray. And, and this morning I was thinking about something about a time in my life where I struggled to pray. Like I wasn't praying consistently and I didn't know why. And I was like, you know, I, I'm learning about the Bible. I was studying theology. I wasn't a pastor yet, but I was like thinking I might be a pastor, but I didn't really like pray. Like it wasn't like a priority. And I remember reading this study and it made me think about prayer and what was happening to me. And it was a study done by a psychologist, a really famous psychologist at Harvard with kids. And, and the study was basically that little kids were given a box and they were told in that box there was an imaginary monster. And they were given the box. And then what the study did was it opened the box and it showed the kids that there was nothing in the box. And then the, t the, the psychologist would close the box and leave it there. And no matter what happened, the kids were always scared to go near the box. And from this came a lot of research uh, around the idea of an imaginary friend, that kids start to envision imaginary things that are not there. And actually, you, you, I, I put it up there. Like There's a famous book about this called Imaginary Companions and the children who create them. Uh, maybe you know that movie. <laughs> and I thought about for so many people, prayer becomes like this idea that somehow we're praying to some imaginary person. And, and after a while, it's kind of like, oh, am I really going to keep praying? This is ridiculous. And for some people, prayer eventually becomes something childish. I mean, only people who are like weak and only people who maybe are struggling, only people who are like really need help, only they pray. And then you realize that when you learn about prayer in the Bible, The people who ask Jesus about prayer are these men who are fishermen, leaders. They're walking with Jesus, and they have the courage to say to Jesus, Jesus, like, we've seen you pray. You need to teach us how you pray. 
And I want to encourage you that when we don't learn about what prayer means, the way Jesus teaches us about prayer, over time this will happen to all of us. Prayer will start to feel like something we made up to speak to some imaginary creature in the sky that doesn't exist. I know a lot of people who don't go to church, and I know a lot of people who don't believe in Christianity or religion, and that's how they view kind of the life of faith. They're like, oh, you religious people, it's so nice. Like, just make up stuff in the sky to talk to. And, 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 you know, and, and they say that, and it kind of offends me, and I want to get mad, but then I'm like, okay, i got to be like Jesus. So I just say, I'll pray for you, and I'm like, oh, what? You know, you have these moments where you're like, but I, I want to just let you know, it's very normal for people who are not learning to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray to think that prayer is ridiculous. It's just normal. And yet there's another thing about our culture that I think is very, very fascinating, that we live in a time, and at least I feel this, that we're encouraging people to pray. We're like, hey, just set time aside to pray. Some of you remember I gave you like a little bit of homework. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up because some of you are going to feel like this church is judging me, whatever. Like that, pretty much to pray the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. We're like, we're just asking you to like find a regular time where you're learning to pray. Now, there's spontaneous prayer. There's prayers that flow out of your love for God that might just happen when you think of God's blessing. But, but the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at in this series is something that we should learn to pray consistently. So I want to tell you something that is a problem that we have that nobody in the Bible has. Okay, this is good to remember this. Nobody in the Bible has to be told to remember to pray. This is a very modern problem. That we're like, hey, just remember, like, you should make prayer a priority. Jesus is teaching people to pray who already pray. They prayed consistently in the Jewish festivals of the Bible. There's consistent times where people prayed all the time. So he's not like trying to get them to pray. And I always feel like that's a challenge. Like I wish there was a book in the Bible for like, hey, this is the book you should read when people don't pray. You know, but it's not there. Because the Bible assumes that we pray. It's almost assumed that those who will follow Jesus will pray. And in that idea of learning to pray, Jesus will teach his disciples how to pray in a very unique way. If you were here last week, maybe you remember this, that Jesus introduces the theme of prayer through a set of warnings. How many of you remember that? None of you. You weren't listening. None of you care. No. <laughs> Jesus does this through a whole set of warnings. And if you, if you have the time, you want to go back and look at it in Matthew chapter 5, which is where we're going to be this morning. Jesus starts to warn the people who are, who are learning from him that there's certain prayers that God never listens to. It might shock you, but there's some prayers that God ignores. Now that might be like, Really? Like God just ignores certain prayers? Yeah, Jesus says this. He says there's a group of people who pray in such a way that God listens, but he kind of ignores their prayers because their prayers don't come from a place where they want to be shaped by the God that they're praying to. And the people in the Bible, some of you know this, that, that Jesus will point to are the Pharisees. You'll see it up there on the screen. Let me just read it for you. It says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. Jesus kind of starts his teaching by talking about the Pharisees, and in a few, in the next chapter, he's going to talk about prayer. So people have this in the back of their minds. They're like, wait a second. Like, how? Like, what does this even mean? Like the Pharisees are like the religious leaders of our time. Like we have to be more righteous. How many of you like use the word righteous on a weekly basis? Righteous comes up every time? Never comes up, right? You only hear it if you come to church. So you read this and you're like, right, what does that even mean? It's like Hosanna. Like, who says these things? Okay, righteous means to live in the right way. And let me give you a very simple idea, okay? Whenever you see the word Pharisee in the Bible, okay, just, it, it's not only a group of people, but it's, it's a way of thinking about faith that is wrapped up around this very simple idea. That the Pharisees were great at doing the right thing when people were watching. Everybody I know knows how to do the right thing when people are watching. Every, like, 
nobody that I, like everybody, like my kids, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, never clean your room. I show up, they're in their room and I'm watching, spotless. Because I'm watching. Phariseeism is this concept in the Bible of being religious, meaning you look so holy when people are watching. And I think about this every time I drive on the 15 North. Like if, every time. And I'm going north because there's a camera that tells you in the next like two kilometers, I don't even know, like there's a, a picture that's going to be taken to your car. And because I take that road all the time, whenever I get there, what do I do? Slow down. Phariseeism, right there. Modern version. I do that. But I always feel bad when I'm slowing down and the people behind me are like, what are you doing? And they don't know that because they miss it because they're not from the area, right? They're just trying. And I'm looking and I just wait for the light of, you know, the picture. I'm like, Merry Christmas. There you go. It's that idea. So Phariseeism can be a big idea, but it means that when somebody's watching you, you do the right thing. Jesus was wanting to remind us that to have our righteousness and the way we live, getting to prayer, the way we pray, to be over and above like the Pharisees is to care to do the right thing whether anybody's watching or not. Because it's not enough to do the right thing if you don't love the right things. Remember that. Phariseeism is learning how to do the right things but never loving in the ways of God. And think about how amazing it would be if we all had to drove in our world, back to our driving test example, right? If we, where the, we wouldn't need speed limits. What would be the value? The value would be like we love our neighbors so much and we love safety so much that we don't need somebody to watch us to tell us how to drive. We just love the right thing. That's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to say, I'm going to make you those who learn to love God the Father and to love your neighbor as yourselves, that your righteousness, the way you live, is not only done because you're doing the right things because somebody's watching. That often applies to bad things in our context. We're like, oh, what are you doing that's bad when no one's watching? But it also applies to good things. The things that we know we should do that are good things, whether anybody asks us or not. Like, imagine if we never had to make another announcement for giving. Hi, church. Like, never again. Be like, you love Jesus? You're worshiping Jesus with your resources? Do the right thing. That's mind-blowing. We will make announcements. There's a finance update coming up. Don't you worry. Uh, but there's this idea that it's like it's true. I think about people in our church that I'm honestly, I feel like overjoyed when I think about so many of you who are finding your place and you're serving. Nobody has to ask you. Nobody has to tell you. And you might see me or one of our leaders come and you're like, I hope they don't, I hope they don't ask me to do anything. I hope. But then they ask you, what do you do? You do it. Because somebody asked you. But being formed in the way of Jesus, saying, you know what, sometimes I need to learn what it means to want to step into doing the right thing because I love the right kinds of things. And Jesus is going to do this. He's going to give them this as an introduction before he talks about prayer. What does it mean to be people who don't have to be forced to pray? Who don't have to, you better remember to pray. Oh, God looks down on you because you didn't pray. Oh, did you pray for that? You're like, no, I just love to want to learn what it means to sense the presence of God and the power of God and the peace of God in a very consistent way. Last week I told you that uh, to learn about prayer is a big, big topic. And so I want to show you on the slide like five kind of different ways that the Bible talks about prayer. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, it'll help you. And, and I want to just give you these because this is kind of a rhythm of how prayer looks like in the Bible. These are all different types of prayers in the Bible. There's prayers of adoration, which we're going to talk about. Prayers of confession, of, of lament. Prayers of thanksgiving. I mean, you can find these in the Bible everywhere, the Psalms. Prayers of contemplation where we wonder, God, why? Why injustice? Why suffering? Why those kinds of prayers? And then we have the prayers of petitions. Like, I mean, you know, that's just the ones we know the best. Maybe we're asking God to help. 
We're asking God to show us how, how to live. We're asking God. You know, can I just encourage you to think about your own prayer life as we go through this series? And that a healthy, maturing person who's learning to pray like Jesus teaches us to pray, prays all of these ways. And there's something important about the order of these prayers. In the Lord's Prayer, we actually have the rhythm of these, types, these prayers actually in the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. They will begin by talking about, by understanding the greatness of who God is. And in a minute, I'm going to show you this. Okay? That we're here first to adore and to understand that God is beyond something we can ever imagine. Now, there's been a time in my life where I think I only prayed the fifth one. I only did the fifth one. I just, every week, I'm like, Lord, you have to help. Lord, if you're there, Lord, my kids, Lord, my wife, always there. If, if that, just think about, think about your life. If that's you, you need to grow up. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. And when you pray in this order, when you learn to hear your prayer life in this order, my experience has been that when you get to the last one, sometimes the thing that you were most concerned about become, uh, I have nothing to say. I always think about going to a restaurant, you know, when I think about prayers like this. You go into a restaurant, you're super hungry, and you're like, oh, I have an urge, and, and the, the restaurant owner says, you know, what do you have an urge for? And he's like, I have an urge for, like, a hamburger, and I want to eat some hamburger. And the, and, and the restaurant owner, the chef, is like, no, hamburger, I'm going to make you something special. And they go in the back, and they make something that you, it's like not a hamburger, but it's something so much better than a hamburger and amazing. And you're like, you even forget what your urge was when you went in the restaurant, because you ate something from the greatest chef you can imagine. Prayer does that to us. It's like I have all these things I have to ask for. I have an urge, God, if only you did this. And then slowly, God begins to say, you remember that thing you thought you wanted? That's not what you need. That's not what you really need. Can I encourage you to think about this? Just if you, if you really grow in this series, one of the things that happens to everybody who prays consistently is we, we land on this very central confession that we will never know what, will ma what makes us happy. That's one of the great gifts of prayer. When we pray, we're reminded that not even we know what will make us happy and whole. And in those prayer times, God says, I know what you need. That's why last week we talked about that. Prayer is that sense that God already kind of knows and senses and is calling us to this place. And he's inviting us to grow, but he's like, careful, I know what you need. Just wait on me now. And so this is like what we did last week. We kind of began with the beginning of the prayer. I'm going to read it again. Just the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 5 and, and, and the, the Gospel of Luke as well. I'm going to stick to Matthew chapter 5. And this is the beginning. And you know on the slides behind me, if you're watching online, I gave it to you in two different translations. It might help you understand it better. And here, you'll see it. Then this is how you should pray, says Jesus. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or, you know, maybe this is the other side. Hallowed be your name. No, you've got to go back to the two slides. Luke and Matthew. You'll see it there. Nope. Right. We're going to get it. Nope. Next, right after that. Boom. A hand. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the North American standard and the NLT. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Maybe that helps. Prayer, the way Jesus is going to teach it, his disciples, begins with understanding who God is. That's why if you were here last week, remember, I encourage you to remember that prayer is first about us listening, not talking. We don't begin prayer by starting to speak about things we want. We begin by acknowledging that God's holiness is to be adored. That's a biblical word, right? Adoration. We stop and say, God, help me to understand that I have no category to, to even envision that all of creation 
is right now singing to you that you are holy, holy, holy. All of our prayers are shaped by this moment of being those who move and, 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 and kind of sense that when we stop to pray, when we slow down to pray, before we say anything, we acknowledge how holy God is. Holiness is this biblical word that means that God is set apart, meaning there's nothing we can use in our culture to compare to what he is. Now, we use language like a father, like a loving, you know, the Bible uses the imagery of a lion and a lamb, all of the, but there is no category in any language to explain the greatness of God. This is something we have to learn, right? Because so many of us, when we learn how to pray, the entry to prayer is praying and starting to ask God what we want. And when that happens, we are still the center of the prayer. Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray in such a way that your prayers begin with you remember that God is the center of everything that you're about to experience now. That he's holding all of this together. And before you speak, before you even thank him, I want you to envision what it's like that as you're praying, your words are being added to those who are singing and praying already. Prayer is something, a, a conversation that we have that's already happening. Like other people are already praying. Other people are already worshiping God. We're just entering that conversation. Whenever I, I read this part of the Lord's Prayer, I always think of the passage in Revelation. This is a beautiful passage in Revelation. Can you imagine this vision in your mind? Be, before you put it up, just take it off for a second. Just close your eyes. I'm going to read it for you, okay? I'm going to read it for you. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to just feel what it would be like to think that this is what's happening every time you pray. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes, in front and in back. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Even under its wings, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. you imagine? Every prayer begins with you realizing, like John says this in the book of Revelation, it's like a door opened, a door creaked open, and I got a peek into what was happening. I had requests, I had things, I had things I was hoping God would fix, and then I saw this. How many of you would quickly say, I think I, I would have nothing else to say? I'm just going to wait now and understand that this God is to be adored and worshipped as holy like nothing we've ever seen. And I always think about this when I, when I wrestle with prayer in my life because John is getting this vision in the last book of the Bible called the book of Revelation while he's in prison. John has every reason to say, I don't even care, I'm in prison, does God love me or not? Is he going to fix my life? Is he going to set me free? Like if anybody has like the, you know, if we should allow anyone to start with the request one, you know, to, it should be John. Like John, whatever, you go first, you pray, we're listening, we understand, it's brutal. And John's like, I had all of these things. I wondered where God was going to be. I was, he was waiting to die. We probably think that John is going to die on this island called the island of Patmos. And he, he gets all of these visions. And all of the prayers that you feel, all of the requests that you have, the door opens and you peek in. And you're like, when you pray, keep this in mind. Wow. Changes everything. Because prayer doesn't begin with us speaking. It begins with us listening. That there's music and angels and creatures that are meant to blow your mind. 
that are all focused on worshiping Jesus as Lord. And they sing holy, holy, holy. So this week, even before you maybe recite the Lord's Prayer, just stop and just imagine that your prayers are entering into like a sea of songs and prayers that are already happening. And that's the invitation that we all get because prayer is meant to change us. Prayer is meant to help us rethink who we are in this picture, in this beautiful image of what God is doing. So when Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Pray, God, a Father who loves me and cares for us, there is none like you. The fact that you would reveal yourself to us as a loving father when we get a vision of what you're really like is beyond our understanding. How can a being so great, so holy, so just love us? I promise you, if you begin to pray like that, something begins to change in you. You long to slow down, to just be present with God, to find a time where you're just saying, begins with adoration. And then this is what happens next. This is what Jesus says next. In the prayer, this is what you pray to this Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is one of the most important parts of the prayer, right at the beginning. If you, if, you're, if you read the prayer, you know this, that the beginning of the Lord's prayer really begins about us focusing on God. We're not the focus. Next week, we'll get to us. We're not the most important part. It's God's holiness and that this God, the Father, has a kingdom and a will. You ever thought about this? That God has things that he's going to accomplish in this world. And when those things get accomplished, it's the will of God that is unfolding in this world. Now, let me tell you something that's really, really important, okay? Oftentimes when we read this, that God the Father, the Holy One, that we pray that his kingdom would come on earth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We think if he's God, why doesn't he just do it himself? Why do we have to pray for this to happen? And we talked about that last week. When this happens to us, we stop praying. We start to think, you know what? Like, why pray? Like, God's will is going to happen anyway. He's God. He's the guy. You know, we open the door and we look. Like, he's going to do whatever he wants, that being that everybody's singing to. But yet Jesus says, God wants you to participate in what he's doing in the world. God wants you to know that you play a part in his kingdom becoming visible to people in this world. And one of the most beautiful things about Jesus that the disciples notice about Jesus is how he's praying. Can I just encourage you? I mean, there's no verse in the Bible for this, but I think it's fairly accurate to say this, okay? That Jesus probably never prayed for God to change the will that he had in store for Jesus. The one time we have an example of this is Jesus prays in the garden. And he says, Father, oh, if there's any other way, but, but, but this is your way, I understand, right? The only time. Imagine how amazing it would be to the disciples to see Jesus, to be like, when do you ask God for stuff? Like, when does he fix problems? When do you ask him to take care of your mother? When do you do that? No, the will of God is unfolding in me being now. So you learn to be those who pray that the will of God unfolds in your life, the way it's unfolding through me while I'm here with you. Pray that way. This is so hard for us to understand. That this God that we pray to has things that he wants to accomplish in the world. And prayer is the way we are shaped into the people that he uses as part of his kingdom. Prayer makes us people who want to live and grow in this way. You know what this means if you believe this prayer? That there are no other gods who get their will done in this world. 
You know how amazing it would have been in a world with tons of gods everywhere? For the disciples to hear Jesus say, there's a God that you pray to, and his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. As you've just pictured it in heaven, where everybody's worshiping him, that is unfolding now on earth. And you know one of the biggest hurdles that I faced when I was learning about this, growing up about prayer, is I wanted a God who was fine with people who was just sincere. You ever happened this? This happened to you? Like you're praying and somebody says, I'm praying, everybody's praying, and you're like, well, just pray however you want, and it doesn't really matter, as long as you're sincere. How many of you have ever thought of that before? Right? It's the go-to line, because it's the right thing to say. Right? It's like, you don't really have to learn how to pray. Jesus, like, didn't really mean it when he said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. He just should have said, hey, just be sincere. You ever picture Jesus saying that? Jesus could have said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us, like, what you're doing. Guys, there's nothing to learn. It's just whatever's happening in your heart, it's okay. Do what you want. He doesn't say that. And I meet Christians who are trying to figure out how to pray in this way and live in a world where people are just doing their own thing and they're being sincere and you want to be nice. And I'm not saying we become the people who tell everybody, stop praying. That's the wrong way. Like, I'm not saying that. There's Phariseeism for that. We're learning how to love people and, and love the way Jesus loved us. But we have to understand that every time we pray, we have to learn that being sincere is just not enough. Jesus did not die on a cross to help us be sincere. He could have said, hey, God loves everybody. Be sincere. He doesn't really want to do anything. His kingdom, whatever, it's going to happen. I'm not dying on the cross. This is great. I'm out of here. No, no, no. Like all of prayer is connected to Jesus saying, you're going to watch what it looks like when I do the will of God now. So you, when you pray, pray that you would live this way too. I think we need to be careful that we live in a time where we're not formed in prayer and sincerity becomes a word that catches everything when we're uncomfortable. Ah, oh, just, that doesn't matter. The Lord knows your heart. Now, don't get me wrong. God is so gracious and loving. We have people in the Bible who are praying to God and they don't know God yet. They don't understand who Jesus is and God is gracious. But those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who really want to learn to pray the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we need to get serious about saying, this God that we pray to has a kingdom and a will, and it's coming. It's coming, and it's being formed and shaped through us. And anyone, we sang about it today. We sang the song today. No one can stop the Lord Almighty. Right? It's such a nice song until you realize you're sometimes stopping the Lord Almighty. And God's like, you, out of the way. This is what's going to happen now. And God says, don't be that way. I want you to experience what it's like to live and learn about my power and my presence as my will unfolds in your life. As you grow in this way where you're being shaped in a new way. You think about this. What do you think God's will for the world is? Jesus says, when you pray, every time you pray, you're going to be reminded that God has a will that he's going to accomplish in this world. How often do you stop in the day and think, oh, today God has things he wants to do. And his kingdom is going to come. Because I'm praying the way Jesus taught me to pray. If only we had a book in the Bible that told us what the will of God is. If only we had somewhere where it showed us this is what the will of God looks like. If only. Maybe Jesus who died on a cross and resurrected, gives us a glimpse of what the will of God looks like. Maybe he does. And maybe we can trust him since he's the one who's teaching us how to pray. This is what it says in Matthew. Then Jesus came to them 
after the resurrection and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Every time we pray, every time we pray, we are those who are reminded that Jesus left us with what his will will look like. Jesus left his followers with this promise that his will looks like this. Now, I, to be so honest, this bothers me so much. Because so much of the way I learned about prayer is that I pray for God to help me out figure out what my will is for my life. It took me so long to understand, wait a second, I'm praying to understand how my life fits in His will. I'm praying to figure out how everything that I do is part of His kingdom coming. The one who all the angels in all creation is singing, holy, holy, holy. That's what I'm doing every time I pray. You see how quickly when you look at the five types of prayer, when you get to the request part, you're like, the thing I was going to ask, I don't think it fits any of this. I'm going to change that. I don't need a new car. I'm going to change that. <laughs> Whatever. I'm like, Lord, game, five, game, game one on Monday night against the Habs. Nope, that doesn't fit. Sorry, can't do it. <laughs> we have all of these things. We joke about prayer. We think but when Jesus teaches us how to pray, we're like, wait a second. This God who's our Father has a will that's unfolding in this world. And he says, every time you pray, every time you pray the way I taught you to pray, Jesus says, you will do what I did. You will know what it's like that your life is meant to fit in the great will of God, of things that are unfolding. That we see ourselves as playing a small part into helping others say yes to Jesus. So that they would be baptized, so that they would want to follow Jesus, so they would want to love Jesus. That's the big will of God. That's the big picture. Like, it's all there. When I'm praying, I'm like, okay, how will this prayer fit into that? Wow, okay. Lord, help me to see this because this is exactly how Jesus would have prayed. He would have said, you're going to see the will of God unfold with me here. You're going to watch this. For years, you know, I think when I was really, really young, especially when I was a teenager, I remember one of the things that attracted me to church is that if only I went to church and if I went to church, God was going to show me what I was going to do with my life. You ever hear the, the things like this? You'll read like this. It's like, if you go to church, God has a purpose for your life. Okay, God has a purpose for my life. I'm like, but I don't know what it is. Okay, but if you go, God's going to show you his purpose for your life. And so you go. And I, I, when I was young, man, I went to every conference, every Bible study, every, everything I could find. Because people in my, in my sphere of, uh, like my, my friends and people, they were like finding what they were going to do with their lives. And I was like, maybe God doesn't have a will for my life. Maybe God's not real. I'm not praying. Until I started to realize, wait a second. Maybe that's the wrong way of looking at it. Maybe the whole point, and I wrote it on a screen for us to understand. Maybe this is the way you look at it. Maybe we go from this. Maybe you go from God has a plan for your life, which is what sells really, really a lot of books, to God has a plan. Now, what are you going to do with your life? When we pray, this happens to us every single time. The first one is about how God helps me with the, my plans for my life. The second one is like God that I pray to has a will and which his kingdom is unfolding, God, help me to see how my life fits into that plan. Help me to see how what I do and how I live and how I give and how I worship fits into the fact that you are a God with a plan. You're not like some energy out there that uh, I hope you hear my prayers. Please, I hope you're listening and you care about us. So many people. 
Learn about prayer that way. You think it, it's, it's there's, there's a reason Jesus says, let me just teach you how to pray. Let me just teach you. It's going to be important. We get to be those who know that God does care about our life. God does care about our requests. God does love to show us his faithfulness. God does show us how we're supposed to live our life. But that happens when we understand that what we do with our lives must fit into the plan that God has. And that's that Jesus would be glorified by everybody. That's that everybody would understand what Jesus came to do. That's what we say every time we pray this prayer. The beginning of the prayer begins with focusing on God, adoring God's greatness, remembering He has a will, and knowing that we are created to fit into this great will that God is unfolding in this world. And you know who's the great picture of this? Jesus Himself. Can I just remind you that when Jesus was on the cross, He was at the center of God's will for His life? Can you remember that this week? When you're going through a difficult time and you're meant to feel like, or I feel in our humanness, we feel like, if only I was in the will of God, this wouldn't be happening to me. If only I was in the will of God and I knew what my life would be about, I'd be successful. If only God would have a plan for my life, and God's like, I do have a plan. This is how your life fits into it. That Jesus is able to teach his followers and teach us what it means to pray in such a way that when he's on the cross, he can trust the Father. When John is in prison, in the book of Revelation, he can trust the Father. When we find ourselves overwhelmed in life and wondering how God might help us, how things are going to unfold, we begin with adoring that God is great and he, we can trust Him. And next week, we're going to move into the, next, the first time that we make a request. The first time the prayer maybe turns to us a little bit. We're not the center of this prayer. We're not the center of any prayer. That's why prayer begins with listening and with acknowledging who God is. This week each of us will get a chance to slowly do that. Just as you read the Lord's Prayer, again, just a simple exercise. You might have other things that help you when you pray. We just, if you're watching online, like you can go back and watch last week's. Just encourage you in the morning and at night, just read the Lord's Prayer. And this week, you might read this prayer and say, God, wow, like your kingdom is unfolding and no one can stop your kingdom. Is there anything in my life that is keeping me from seeing how your kingdom is unfolding in this world? Is there anything that I'm doing that's making it hard for other people to see, Jesus, that you're Lord and that you're the Holy One that people are going to worship. Is there anything? Let's begin there. And as we do this, we learn to hear and to feel the presence of God in our lives and to understand that even when things are not the way we think they should be, we are still learning what it means to experience the will of God for our lives. There's times of confession there. There's times of repentance. There's times of thanksgiving. There's all kinds of things that happen there. As we close, I just want to I just want to close with this. Before we close, I'm going to have you stand. And I thought it'd be good, like every week, for us to just read the parts that we look at together. This is not me praying for you. This is us learning to pray this prayer. Jesus says, teach us how to pray. Maybe as we close, just take a minute. And read this quietly. And think about that the God that loves us wants us to experience the greatness of heaven and the goodness of heaven and the way we live today. That his kingdom would come through us in the broken and messy and painful ways of our world. Because the God that we pray to 
loves us like a father, and he wants us to be involved in the things that he's doing in the world. Can we just pray this together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said this to us. It's amazing to think that God has so many things in store for so many of you, for our kids, things we don't even know how to ask for. He says, just, just get a glimpse of the kind of things that I have in store for you when you understand how great I am and that I care for you. This week, the life that we are entering will bombard us with, with things to do. Every single one of us, me included. My, I looked at my agenda like yesterday, and I was like, oh my goodness, like I, I don't have time to pray. Like I don't have time to do anything. We have to practice to learn to make time to do this. So as you think about your calendars, you think of your week, maybe just slow down enough and say, God, help me to be a person who takes time to just let this types of, these prayers just shape me in a way that I never thought would be possible before. Let's just close our eyes as we close this morning. Our Father, we thank you for sending us Jesus. We thank you that Jesus came not only to save us, but to teach us. Jesus, thank you for sending the Spirit who's reminding us of everything that you taught. Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray the way Jesus our Lord taught us how to pray. Help, help us to be those who get a better understanding of what it means that you're calling us to live as your people so that your plans unfold in this world, so that your kingdom would come and that we would play our part the way Jesus modeled for us. You would help us as we think of the many things that are going to come our way as we consider COVID and the changes and relationships and so many exciting things that we look forward to. Would you help us in the midst of all of those good things that you give us to set time aside and to remember that you are the center of this all, that you are the one right now, if we're quiet enough, we can sense that all of creation sings, holy, holy, holy. There's none like you. And that you love us. May that change the way we see ourselves this week. May that change the way we learn how to pray, the way we live, the way we speak, the way we act. May that change everything. Because we took your word seriously, Jesus. We were learning how to pray. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Hey everyone, we're so uh, proud of you and grateful that uh, you joined us. I mean, we, we mentioned at the beginning, if you have small kids, just a reminder, we're going to let you out this way. And you just have to go... To the, if you're looking at the building to the right side there, the kids are going to come down uh, for you there. If you're going to see one of, the, one of the teachers there for our kids, just say thank you to them. They're, they're kind of finding their way back and getting, uh, you know, uh, just the systems in place. We hope to have more kids back as soon as we can. If you're maybe thinking of finding your place, serving, saying, God, I want to know what it looks like for my life to fit into your plans as well. Maybe this is a great time to connect, to serve, 
become a ministry partner, find your place and be like, I'm learning how to see God's hand at work through my life. We'd love to have you learn with us and grow with us and serve with us. God bless everyone. See you next week. For some of you, if you want to join us Tuesday night, Jonah, he's someone who didn't take prayer seriously. He's going to pay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you, can, you, can, you can join us. And uh, God bless everyone. Thanks for watching online as well. See you next week.